This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. Right now that time, 8.15, you're tuned in to WGNS on this Wednesday morning, today, November the 4th, and with us this morning in studio with the Murfreesboro Police Department, we have Murfreesboro Police Chief Michael Bowen and Lieutenant Clayton Williams, both in studio. How are you this morning? Good morning. Good, Scott. So, Good to be here. anything big going on? I know Nashville, Washington, D.C., they were all talking about how police are just on standby in case anything big breaks out with with the election locally or anything, but I haven't heard any anything, you know, happening here in Murfreesboro or Rutherford County at least. I haven't had any reports of anything unusual, I think for the most part. Uh, things went well, and I think uh, just like uh, everybody else, everybody's just waiting to see uh, the results. Have police had to be called to any of the precincts, you know, during voting yesterday? Or did, did anything really unfold? We had one incident at uh, one of the precincts, uh, but the officers were able to resolve that. Other than that, I think that was just an isolated incident. So it was pretty quiet for the most part. For the most part, yes. Is there anything else going on right now in the city of Murfreesboro as far as crimes that have recently taken place that you know authorities are, are trying to find the culprit, whoever committed the crime? Uh, <clears throat> I know the... Uh, shooting incident we had on Clark Boulevard there at the old Stonewall Apartments. I think we're still looking for information on that, trying to uh, uh, develop more suspect information so we can maybe put some closure to that. Um, we were able to make an arrest in the uh, with two robberies. Um, we believe we were able to link back to two folks last, I think this was on, um, it was on Monday night. We picked them up. Yeah, uh, the Boost Mobile Store on Memorial Boulevard, and then also the Mapco on Memorial Boulevard that happened on October 25th. Uh, we were able to make two arrests in that, and uh, looks like we've got good cases there, and they're both in uh, the jail at this point waiting trial, and hopefully we'll see that through. So the, the Boost Mobile robbery, was that a situation where they went in, stole phones, or did they go in stealing cash? Uh, they went in and, and just pretend to be... Uh, shopping and then they came back and just robbed them and uh i don't have all the information as far as all that was taken but they were mainly wanting money it just doesn't seem like a high cash flow type business you know a cell phone store i, I don't know the only thing i can think of is i know they do a lot of they do a lot of trade-ins people buying you know phones now buying and selling that's very common you even see vending machines like for that purpose it, inside walmart's now so that could be related um but yeah the the and that's an easy item to turn over. So uh, if they do need to sell a phone or, or have something new product like that, there's a kind of a big demand for that. Um, hey, thanks, Captain McDaniel. I just got to, uh, he helped me out here. <laughs> he says mostly cash on that, not much. So, okay. And then the, the uh, memorial at the MAPCO, that was cash is what they wanted on that one as well. You know, it seems like with this whole national chain shortage thing, less people are using cash than even before. Uh, yeah, I know I was at a store recently, and 
I think the change due to me was like four cents and the cashier claimed, well, I don't have four pennies to give you. I thought, well, well then just reduce the price because why would I pay you an extra four yeah. cents? But it just seems like with this whole national change shortage thing, even less people have cash. Yeah, you would think that, but at the same time, there's still a lot of people that don't regularly use bank accounts. Um, that's why we see such a high volume of fraud cases involving um uh, what they call, I think, what they call it, Walmart MoneyGram, uh, like a wire or transfer. We see a lot of instances where people get scammed out of those things because um, it's something that's basically people go and pay for it and turn it. It's it's as good as cash once it's gone out of the hands. So there there still is a lot of that floating around, um, and a lot of people that still use that as as a uh, means of currency. Are, are we still seeing a lot of phone call scams where people are also trying to get I guess the elderly to give them money in regards to maybe everything from insurance fraud to, you know, hey, your son's locked up in jail right now. You need to let him out and you have to pay me $500. I don't know that we're seeing an, an increase per se in, in things like that. Um, it, it's, it still happens. I mean, I don't know about you, but I get at least four or five call, robo calls a day about different things wanting to sell me things. Now, some of those may be legit, but... Um, it, I'm sure it still happens, but we haven't necessarily seen an uptick in anything like that. Um, we are <coughs> having some issues with, um, and probably will continue as it goes into holiday season with some organized shoplifting. People that go in as groups and professionally, well, I say professionally, but uh, they're with the motive and intention to go in and, and steal from stores. So um, we just you know, ask everybody to be on your watch, and they typically don't bother other patrons it's more they're there to get some stuff and get out uh, but you know we just uh, especially going into that season where typically people are shopping more uh, just kind of be mindful of that i wonder if we'll see less of that this year with COVID 19 because some stores are limiting the number of people who can actually go in at one time possibly you know but if if the summer was any indication <laughs> when we were on lockdown and the amount of things that were people were buying i don't know that that's going to be I don't know. Uh, now, the way that the stores organize themselves, that may be a little different. But I think the numbers of people out shopping, I think it'll still be strong. How often are you able to actually find the culprits of, you know, different shoplifting rings by way of looking at Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist? Because there's so many things listed on Marketplace these days on Facebook. It's just kind of overwhelming to look through it. I think that's part of it. Um, but I think the biggest thing is, you know, in the day we really embrace the use of uh, analytics through social media um, and most stores now have lot <clears throat> excuse me have really good surveillance and these folks that are doing this professionally they typically don't hit one time they often it'll be a case where uh, if you I think if you remember when Best Buy got hit I don't forgive me for the time lapse on that they were going around to different towns all through Middle Tennessee and going in and stealing things in the same mode. Uh, so a lot of times we share information. Other agencies, will, will this will happen in their jurisdiction, so they'll send those that information over with photographs, with vehicle information, with tags. So it makes it a lot easier to track those things down. And oftentimes it is folks from out of state, so sometimes it takes a while, and we may not even get to make the prosecution here. It may be something where we just assist another agency down the line. So um, uh, it's... It, when they do that and after a while it, there typically is enough pattern enough breadcrumbs if you will to pick up and kind of put those things together 
The patrol cars with the automated tag readers on the back and on the side, are, are they able to drive through some of the busy parking lots and actually pick up some of the tag numbers that are tied to cases in other cities? That's just as good as your database uh, allows it to be. The, inf uh, the information that you uh, input is uh, what those uh, vehicles hit on. Right now, uh, we're looking at upgrading some of those systems to where uh, we can have more of them out. But yes, uh, you can put stolen vehicle information in there, suspect vehicle information in there. And like I said, it's it's just as uh, good as the information you put into it. But uh, those could uh, yield pretty good results. I know there was a case in Hendersonville where they caught a guy who I believe stole a car out of Nashville. He was also wanted in Rutherford County, but they caught the guy just by driving by a business and mm -hmm. I guess it picked up his tag on the back of the car, came right. back stolen. Right. And that LPR technology is uh, pretty good. Uh, I know there's a lot of cities starting to utilize it now and uh, with a lot of good results. And I think that they have made uh, serious impacts on their crime and uh, ability to make arrests and solve solve certain issues. Do we have both marked and unmarked cars with that in Murfreesboro? Right now we had a very limited number. Right now we're going through a uh, phase where we're trying to reevaluate uh, the number of units we want to utilize. Uh, uh, but primarily they were just on a uh, very small number of cars and like I said right now we are uh, looking at it uh, going through sort of a transition to where we're going to look at new technology and, and uh, reevaluate how we use those. I think we got some audio difficulties I'm trying to clear up here, but let me let me try to fix that real quick and we'll be right back. Right now the time, 824, you're tuned in to WGNS. This is Peter Demas with Demas Family of Restaurants. When it's getting cold outside and you don't want to really get out of your car, Demas's has now started a curbside service. So you can order online, put your make and model of your car into the website, and when the food is ready, we will bring it out to your car and therefore you can still be in your pajamas and come and get lunch and go back to your home if you want to curbside service it's just another level of service of which we are trying to provide the residents of murfreesboro visit us online at demusrestaurants.com if i could talk to the animals hi this is amanda from animal city i wanted to go ahead and invite your family to come do business with my family we are excited to announce that our fall fragrance pet odor exterminating candles are here if you have not experienced these you should stop in and check them out we are open for in-store shopping and also happy to offer curbside delivery if that's your preference. Thank you to our customers for allowing us to serve you for 30 years. Animal City, 919 Northwest Broad Street. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, Analexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna is reminding you not to wait on that next car repair job. As a matter of fact, if you're a teacher or first responder, there are special discounts available to you on your next job. So stop by First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna. That's First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna. Time now to take a look at that weather forecast brought to you by First Class Sales and Service of Smyrna. Plenty of sunshine for today's forecast. 70 for a high, 44 tonight with clear skies. Mixture of clouds and sunshine Thursday, high near 70. I'm meteorologist Mandy Faluber on News Radio WGNS. Right now, 42 degrees. 
Well, good morning. They're working an accident out here on Highway 41, Broad Street, right here at 840. It's got traffic a little slow go in this area. Again, it's on Broad Street, uh, 41, whichever one you want to call it, here at 840. Uh, National Highway, it's got like 14 names. Uh, again, it's uh, backed up here in this area because of this accident here, again, off coming off 840 onto Broad Street. Hey, you sleep with the sharks in a grown-up atmosphere at Ripley's Aquarium. Uh, it's December 26th through the 27th. Check it out at ripleysaquarium.com. I'm Commander Chuck. You're on Time Traffic. Precision Air knows you want the air inside your home as safe and clean as possible. Clean the air in your home with an affordable UV system. WGNS listeners get $50 off. 615-930-0088. A whole house air purifier. 615-930-0088. The Action Line on FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. We're Rutherford County's place to talk. Murfreesboro Police Chief Michael Bowen with us this morning and Lieutenant Clayton Williams both in studio this morning again with the Murfreesboro Police Department. Uh, couldn't figure out what the audio problem was. We had in the background, but hopefully it is cleared up now. Time right now, 827 today, November 4th. It is a Wednesday. So right now in Murfreesboro and I guess throughout Tennessee, what are you hearing are the big drugs, the big problems that we're having with drugs as far as what is the most recognized drug right now being sold on the street? I think it's <clears throat> the last I've talked with... Uh some of our SID folks that, you know, still major issues with prescription medications, uh, your, anything with, meth. yeah, methamphetamines coming back, uh, all your opioids, your heroin, mm -hmm. it's, it's still kind of those, those are leading, uh, cursors that we see with issues and, and we're learning a lot more about, uh, there's been such a push statewide for partnerships with, uh, so many deaths that have occurred because of heroin and opioids that, there's a lot more information sharing going on, and there's a lot more that they're trying to do on the backside of tracking down where some of these uh, lethal doses of heroin are coming from so that maybe to get to the source of these things, at least on the local level, to try to uh, curtail some of those things from happening. Now, obviously, you could overdose on you know pretty much any drug out there, but the lethal injections of heroin are, are usually coming with fentanyl mixed into it still or is that not the case anymore it it does happen um <clears throat> and that's one of the issues with i guess with anything that you that you buy like that and uh it's you you have no idea what you're getting really um and it, it can contain all kinds of chemicals not even just fentanyl but that can be toxic and can be harmful and sometimes fatal so um yeah it's just it's a tough disease and it's uh, uh, addiction and, and things like that. And just, you know, we just encourage folks, if, if you have issues with that with somebody in your family or a friend or somebody you know, I mean, just try to help them get, seek out some help, uh, whatever that, you know, whichever avenue that looks like for them. But um, it's just, it's unfortunate a lot of times that uh, we wind up on the back end. And we do a lot of through those um, uh, uh, cases we're able to make other arrests that are preventative, but you know we would really like to see, like everybody else, we would like to see those incidences drop quite a bit. But uh, it doesn't really uh, stay in one particular socioeconomic class or culture, or so it's a uh, it's a broad scope of people that are affected by that. So it 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 takes a lot, and it's going to take a lot uh, from a lot of folks, not only just police, to be able to have an impact in that area. You know, we used to hear talks of pill parties where teenagers would get together, they would 
exchange pills of all types. Are we still seeing problems like that? Because I haven't heard a lot of talk about teenagers and, and pills like I used to. I think just uh, every generation has their issues, whether it be alcohol or drugs. I, I mean, drug use is still out there, and I don't think that any generation's been immune from that. But, yeah, you know, that, those are things that are still ongoing. Uh, you know, going back to uh, what we were saying about overdoses, things like that, we're just real fortunate that uh, we're able to carry Narcan in so many places or able to carry uh, Narcan now. Uh, we review those uh, reports on a regular basis, and... Uh, uh, we obtained ours through a grant, and we have to report on uh, every time we use it. And it uh, just for a while there, it was just so common that officers were using that. And uh, uh, I would hate to see what the uh, uh, you know the fatality rate would be had that not be uh, available to to officers across the country. So it, it was almost as if Narcan was one of those miracle drugs that came along to. I guess have the counter effect and make it so that somebody's system blocks those. What I don't even know what you call it. You know, whenever you have, whenever you use heroin right. or, or drugs like that, but it blocks the effect of it. Right. So therefore, it literally saves someone's life, brings them out of the overdose, uh, which is crazy. Right. 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 And then what's even more concerning is you'll have uh, individuals have. Uh, we've used it on more than one time, mm -hmm. so I mean they're on multiple uses. You know, just uh, uh, unable to break that cycle of use. And uh, like uh, Lieutenant Williams was saying, you know, there's if you know somebody's struggling with that, just try to find the right resources and just uh, do the best you can to try and point them in the right direction. A lot of times you can make a lot of effort and try to help somebody, and it's all for for nothing. But I mean, that, just know that there are places that you can reach out to to try to help with those issues after an officer uses the narcan in order to to bring somebody out of an overdose of heroin or whatever drug it is they were using uh do they have to go to the hospital still or can they refuse at that point or are they conscious enough to actually refuse at that point typically uh whenever we uh deploy that of course uh we'll we'll uh summon first responders and uh, mfrd first responders uh they've got uh, EMT, emts paramedics and along with the ambulance service will respond and then basically once they arrive the patient is able to uh uh work i guess with ems services uh to make a determination on whether or not they transport or not but they could still be arrested, I guess, in some cases, if oh, yes, yes. you would just go back and make that arrest once they're released from the hospital or once they're deemed yeah, exactly, exactly. medically sound. Okay. Exactly. Uh, but that does still happen. Are we seeing a big problem with drugs being imported from other countries still? Because we used to hear a whole lot about that on the national news, but locally, I haven't heard a lot about that. You still have uh, external sources. Uh, a lot of those things do originate from uh, other areas outside the U.S., and you still have that, and that's still a, an issue that has to be addressed. So. Do we see a lot of our drugs coming to Murfreesboro from Atlanta or from Nashville usually? They have different uh, places of origin. Uh, to say that Atlanta or Nashville are the top two, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that. Uh, like I said, it just varies the sources, and sometimes you just can't determine the actual origin of, of some of these. You know, I was looking at the violent crime index. It was for last year, but I saw that Nashville is now ranked, I think, number 14, uh, which was quite surprising. I, I don't know if Murfreesboro is seeing some of that because of Nashville or, or what, but are we seeing a lot of violent crime here? 
I think that uh, one of the things we always you always have to compare it to is the amount of growth you have and kind of do a comparison between your population and, and number of incidents. I think that uh, we've been pretty consistent over the past few years. Uh, uh, yeah, we're seeing more incidents, but we're also seeing that increased population. So the, the, the per capita incidents are really haven't changed a whole lot in, in most aspects. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's complicated when you start looking at those numbers. Uh, 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 and like I said, specifically when it comes to an area that's growing like uh, we are, because yeah, we are seeing more incidents but uh, when you look at the numbers uh, and, and factor in the population, it's pretty consistent for the past several years. And I guess a lot of times when you do hear about violent crime, it's usually targeted, usually over drugs. There usually is some kind of specific reason for it, not just a random act. Most of the times that is the case, uh, more often than not. Are there any crimes right now that, I don't know, are, are gold, uh, going cold as far as the investigation goes where Cold, they become cold cases, and if so, at what point do they become actually a cold case? You know, and that's something that I've uh, probably need to do is I have Sergeant Abbott uh, come on. He uh, works right now with our violent crimes unit, and uh, I know that he has several cases. They do a real good job, I think, uh, for the uh, uh, for the incidents that have occurred this year. I think they're around uh, uh, six out of ten. I think uh, or six out of 11 have been uh, uh, solved but I know that there are some cases from previous years that I probably need to get him on here next time and just kind of go over those because there's a there's one that occurred at uh, the villager uh, apartments uh, there was one that uh, the, of course the one on Greenland Drive uh, with the uh, with the local business so uh, those are ones that uh, we probably need to get in here and just uh, see if we can get some help on that uh, uh, any information that anybody has on any of these, uh, you know, they can call Crime Stoppers or they can call our uh, CID division directly and uh, give us any information that they might have. Once a crime does unfold and then an arrest is made, whatever the case goes to court, is that officer or detective, whoever makes the arrest, are they with that court proceeding the entire time? I mean, do they have to be there for every single court proceeding? In, in, in general, yes, yes, yes. Uh, there might be, a, a early on, there might be a hearing or something like that where they might be weighed. But, yeah, essentially the officer or the detective assigned to that case follows it throughout the, throughout the process from general sessions through grand jury, if it goes through grand jury, to, to the upper court. So, yes. How big of a problem does that cause as far as scheduling officers to be out there on the street? It not it really doesn't. Uh, that's just the uh, nature of the business that we're in, and uh, you know our staffing levels and uh, our resources are all built around that. You know it's been that way for ever since policing. So that's that's just understood that goes along with the business. Is Murfreesboro Police are are Murfreesboro Police hiring right now? Is that something that you're? I mean, are you actively looking for more officers? I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to try to find a way to slide that <laughs> in uh, uh, between these conversations. Yes. Uh, so next uh, month, November, we are, well, this month, uh, time's gotten away from yeah. me. Uh, we are actually bringing uh, 18 on board. So they're set to schedule. And of course, uh, they vary in experience some, uh, from uh, some uh, former post-certified officers through Tennessee to uh, uh, individuals with no experience at all so uh, it you don't have to have prior experience for us to be able to hire you uh, we'll get that class started then we're looking at uh, the first of the year uh, right now our numbers are around 
19 uh, for the new positions that were recently approved by council. So that'll bring our total numbers from 281 officers up to 300 certified positions. So we'll look at uh, bringing those on board early next year. So definitely if you're interested in a career in law enforcement or if you know somebody that is interested, please uh, go to the city website. Uh, you're able to uh, uh, look at job opportunities. Uh, if you're a certified officer looking to relocate and you're post-certified out of another state or have any uh, type of credentials from another state, uh, we keep a certain application open for what we call it for lateral transfers. And uh, we constantly look at those applications because those are individuals that we can bring on board at any given time without having to go through like a new class hire. So if you're uh, interested in that, please apply with us and uh, uh, we will definitely look at those uh, applications on a regular basis and uh, try to get you on board. Uh, it, busy time, exciting time, just uh, keeping up with growth, uh, just uh, you know, you add the officers that we're hiring uh, that start next month and add it to the number in spring. That's 38 new positions that we'll be bringing on board. So it's uh, definitely a lot of work, and uh, we've got a pretty good staff that handles that and manages that well. But uh, the big thing is uh, just uh, if you know somebody interested, get the word out. Uh, we're, we're definitely uh, uh, in that hiring process and would love to see uh, uh, people in the community apply for these positions. Do you have to have a college degree these days to be an officer? No, you no, it's not required. What you'll see is, uh, you know, the high school GED uh, will allow you get a uh, position in policing. What you'll see where the college degrees kind of fall into play is as you move up in the uh, organization, you'll start seeing as uh, as you start to try to attain some of the upper level positions, those positions, college degrees become uh, preferred at some point, and then at, at the highest positions, the chiefs, assistant chiefs, things, they become uh, required. And former military, is that also a good avenue in order to it's get a, into the police force? It's great. It's, I tell you, uh, our veterans are amazing people, and uh, we have a lot of uh, veterans on staff, and uh, they uh, just really do a great job for us. And uh, I'm always excited to see veterans apply. They make uh, uh, their commitment and their uh, the, the transition. It seems like into law enforcement. It seems. Uh, I guess having been in the military seems a little bit easier. They understand the chain of command. They understand the whole structure, organizational structure, and they, they just do a fantastic job for us. So what is the starting pay right now for a patrol officer in Murfreesboro? If you come in on the uh, lateral type position to where you have uh, previous experience, it's just shy of 46. Uh, uh, council just uh, uh, recently uh, approved some changes to our starting pay and it put it at, at like 45.9 something so we're just shy of 46,000 starting pay. Now if you come in inexperienced what will happen is you'll start around the 42 something range and then uh, once you complete the program you get your post certification then we'll move you up to that higher number. How does it actually compare to some of the other nearby cities? Uh, pay plans, we've researched a lot of them, pretty complicated. I think that we've got a pretty straightforward pay plan that works well for us. And uh, we've been fortunate to get the support uh, that we have in putting that in place. But ours is pretty straightforward. Basically, the salary you get is uh, is advertised. I know that other places advertise 
different incentives for shift differential things like that and some of them can be kind of uh, complicated but our, uh, other than that we offer two stipends we offer a stipend if you become a detective we pay you extra uh, when you transfer to the detective division then if you're part of our field training program if you're one of our trainers who train new officers we also offer a stipend there so so I, I say that we have a very competitive pay scale Again, with us this morning, Murfreesboro Police Chief Michael Bowen and Lieutenant Clayton Williams. And we're going to pause just for a second. We do have this information that just came in. Three people have been taken to the hospital after a crash involving a school bus and two other vehicles. Rutherford County Fire and Rescue reports it happened at about 7.30 Wednesday morning on John Bragg Highway near Pilot Knob Road. There were only four children on the school bus and no injuries were reported to the bus occupants and looks like rutherford county is out there right now working this collision it was a rear end accident involving the school bus and also a pickup truck and a car in this accident we do have uh, updates on this on our website all at wgnsradio.com again only four students were actually on the school bus no serious injuries reported to the children on the bus again wgnsradio.com is where you can find all the latest in that time right now 8:43. we're going to take a short break and we will be right back first national bank of murfreesboro is growing to serve you better hi i'm shelly rigsby and in mid-november our name changes to capstar bank our staff will be the same but we'll be able to do so much more first national bank of murfreesboro will soon become capstar a full-service bank with a small-town feel. We believe in keeping our personal relationships. First National Bank of Murfreesboro, soon Capstar, member FDIC. Plenty of sunshine for today's forecast. 70 for a high, 44 tonight with clear skies. Mixture of clouds and sunshine Thursday, high near 70. I'm meteorologist Mandy Faluber on News Radio WGNS. Right now, 42 degrees. Well, good morning. They're working an accident out here on Highway 41, Broad Street, right here at 840. It's got traffic, a little slow go in this area. Again, it's on Broad Street, uh, 41, whichever one you want to call it, here at 840 uh, National Highway. It's got like 14 names. Uh, again, it's uh, backed up here in this area because of this accident here, again, off coming off 840 onto Broad Street. Hey, you sleep with the sharks in a grown-up atmosphere at Ripley's Aquarium. Uh, it's December 26th through the 27th. Check it out at ripleysaquarium.com. I'm Commander Chuck. You're on Time Traffic. As cold and flu season approaches, one of the best things that you can do to give somebody who is sick is a quart of Demas's chicken and rice soup. This is Peter Demas with Demas Family of Restaurants. This soup is my grandmother's recipe, and we have used this soup in order to help our family whenever we are sick. Just gives us a good comfort feeling. One of the things that you can also do is you can now ship that soup anywhere across the United States, and you can order that soup online at demasfamilykitchen.com. The Action Line on FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. We're Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Right now that time, 8.45, you're tuned in to WGNS on this Wednesday morning. And again, an update involving the crash with a school bus on John Bragg Highway. Three people have been taken to the hospital after the crash involving a school bus and two other vehicles. Rutherford County Fire and Rescue reports it happened at 7.30 this morning on John Bragg Highway near Pilot Knob Road. There were only four children on the school bus, and Rutherford County Sheriff's Department reports that one student, one driver, 
being evaluated at St. Thomas Rutherford. Injuries are non-life-threatening. Again, injuries non-life-threatening. They also add that the bus driver was not injured and the pickup driver was only shaken up. So again, that's from the Sheriff's Department. They say that the bus driver was not injured and the pickup truck driver was only shaken up. But again, one student being evaluated at St. Thomas Rutherford after this accident that occurred in the county. And it was a rear-end collision involving the school bus, a pickup truck, and a car. We do have pictures of it on our website, all at WGNSRadio.com. News time right now, 846. You're tuned in to WGNS on this Wednesday morning. And in studio with us this morning, Police Chief Michael Bowen and also Lieutenant Clayton Williams, again from the Murfreesboro Police Department. And we were talking about jobs and hiring and City of Murfreesboro, the Police Department, is hiring right now. And uh, you have new officers come in. I think you said 18 this month. Is that right? And uh, Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Next week, and then uh, you know, one of the areas that's often uh, not mentioned enough, and uh, we have a whole staff of individuals doing a great job in our communication sections. Uh, remember, the uh, communication section is housed at the police department, and they do both police and MFRD uh, uh, dispatch. So uh, that's another area that's growing. Another area that we are seeking qualified applicants for those positions as well. Uh, we've been able to expand that area and provide uh, more career growth opportunities in that uh, particular uh, section. Uh, it's uh, the starting pay is uh, in the in the low 30s, but uh, you'll find that as you meet certain criteria uh, through your training, that you're able to move up fairly quickly in in uh, on the pay scale there. It's one of those things. It's a, it's a rewarding job. You're able to be a, a part of a, uh, dispatching these rescue vehicles, taking calls, 911 calls, things of that nature. And it's uh, just a, uh, a great opportunity for somebody that's interested in something like that. We do have a text message here. A uh, person asked, if they come from a Kentucky Police Department, do they still have to go through the Tennessee Accreditation Program? And I guess they're talking about what most officers go through in the state of Tennessee before they become a, a city officer or a county sheriff's deputy? The What we have in Tennessee is uh, you have the full academy, which is 480 hours, or the or you, if you come from another agency, you're able to go what they call a transition school. You'll have to go through the trans transition school, but it's just a shortened uh, school. It's uh, three weeks, and it's, uh, I think, they, uh, the state uh, hosts it a couple times a year, and we're able to put people through that. And it's just a shortened version, and uh, it, it just acclimates you with the Tennessee laws, things like that. So, when somebody goes through those programs, are they living there at the school for that three-week period, or if they're making a transfer and they're just, you know, learning the state laws here in Tennessee because they're coming from another state, are they commuting there each day? They stay on site, uh, and of course. Uh, you're able to leave uh, uh, for weekends, things like that. But yeah, it's it's on site. Kind of like a, a micro boot camp, I guess. It is in, in some ways, uh, but uh, uh, like I said, the the shortened version, three weeks, is pretty easy. It's pretty easy for those with prior experience and uh, coming from different states like Kentucky, uh, some of these other states. The, some of them has have pretty lengthy programs, so for most people, it's it'll be uh, pretty easy. And are a lot of our laws similar, you know, from state to state? Uh, they they vary uh, 
quite a bit so especially when you start getting into the uh, fine details so it's definitely something to where uh, that transition that uh, it, it's necessary to make sure that there's not any uh, confusion on, on what applies here in this state and hey I would just say if that's if that person is knowing this person or if that's that person feel free to call us we'll be glad to talk to you about those things and help you uh, kind of ascertain a little bit more about what that would take uh, to get that done if they're interested uh, and go to our website there's a lot of those questions that are already answered on there and it talks about our physical ability test what they have to take and also has our contact information for our recruit department at Mur uh, www.murfreesboro.tn.gov and then click on police and all those can be found there so uh, please check that out yeah and the contacts uh, the the people to go directly to for that information be uh, lieutenant gary carter or sergeant justin lemansky uh, Lieutenant Gary Carter or Sergeant Justin Lemansky, and they both handle new hires and recruiting. So do officers have to go through a, a physical fitness test they each do. year, or is it every six months? You, There are certain criteria to where you have to take the uh, test, and it's just dependent on, uh, on, on circumstances. Uh, typically, when we do a hiring process, the very first thing we do is uh, take you out to do the PT, uh, the PT test. So even if you're transferring in from another agency, if you've left our agency or coming back, the minute that we consider you a viable candidate, uh, first thing we do is take you to do the PT. And if you pass, you're able to move on to a written testing and uh, uh, it eventually leads into uh, medical testing, psychological testing, things like that. But uh, the, the, the starting point is always the PT test. And like I said, throughout your career after you're hired on, there's just certain things that would uh, uh, enact uh, or would require you to have to retake that test. And it's just dependent on, on circumstances. Another question here, how do you remember or memorize the entire TCA? I guess the Tennessee Code annotated. There's no way to actually remember the you entire don't. No, I was going to say, you don't. be nice if you could. You don't. Uh, the, the, the big thing with with all uh, all these laws is just being able to recognize when you have a potential crime, things like that. Uh, there's plenty of resources out there. And you'll, you'll find that on the common crimes, the assaults, the burglaries, the robberies, things like that, you, you memorize those pretty well. Uh, but uh, if you can just recognize that an element or a potential crime has been committed, there's resources. We have online uh, access to, uh, to TCA, and we also give uh, guides to our staff members to where they can have just a, a, a little handwritten uh, TCA book in there with them at all times to where they can reference that. And, and usually every year what we'll do is, uh, I know 2018 was the last time we saw some major changes. We try to do a legal update for our officers just to make them aware of the things that are right. new uh, because most of the time you know there's always those outlier cases but most of the time the guys what they're seeing on the street where they have to make quick decisions about are those common things uh, that are drilled into uh, them through the academy and through our training so um, then that's we have those resources available for when you get that situation where it's like the head scratcher if you will like I don't know about this this is a little different so uh, and, and then I guess when it comes to detective work, sometimes they're working on TCA codes from, let's say, 1990 if the person who committed the crime was the person who committed the crime in 1990. In other words, they have to go by the date the crime was committed. So it gets quite confusing, I would say. It does, but there are plenty of resources. And, you know, most of what you deal with it are, are you deal with a, a certain group of crimes <laughs> most of the time. So it's not like you're 
you've got this big vast expanse of crimes you know most times yeah. it's your robberies your thefts your, your burglars, assault, yeah. you get things like that yeah. and then uh, when it gets in more detail like i said just as long as you can recognize that uh, something has occurred you can always uh, reference uh you know consult with the da's office do utca references and uh, and come up with the appropriate charges so if you're out there if you're an officer on the street and you come across a crime that obviously is going to require some more extensive investigating uh, I, I guess the first step would be they call the detective unit to come out there, or what do they do first? Depends, depends, because uh, a lot of things they uh, can handle at their own level. I mean, a lot of things officers are uh, fully capable of uh, uh, dealing with a particular crime by themselves. If it looks like it's going to be extensive, that it's going to require uh, hours of investigation and some uh, <coughs> thorough follow-up, that's typically when we'll call a detective out. That way we're not deadlining that unit uh, uh, from being able to respond to calls on the street. But uh, uh, most uh, or a lot of cases, uh, you'll find that patrol officers can handle. And then when it starts, the when the complexity increases, that's when we bring the CID officers in. So can the DA's office, uh, I guess, call the police department and say, hey, we need you to look into X, Y, Z, whatever the case may be. Uh, does that happen or does the DA just look into it themselves? Because I, I could see where it could get very confusing within the city limits when you have so much going on. It can. Uh, most, uh, just about everything that uh, uh, gets presented to the DA's office is generated by law enforcement, and we consult with them to uh, help us uh, prosecute those cases. So uh, you'll see that uh, just about everything is generated through a local off, uh, law enforcement or through uh, uh, citizens who coordinate with the police department. So how many hours is the average city police officer actually working on the job? I mean, once they come in for duty, uh, is it an eight-hour day, nine-hour day? What is it? Uh, we work 40-hour uh, weeks, uh, eight-hour days, and, of course, there's always that overtime possibility. Uh, happens a lot if you get held over for a call, uh, things of that nature, special assignments. You may get called in to work extra time, but uh, to everybody is scheduled. Uh, certified positions are scheduled for 40-hour work weeks. So approximately five days a week is what you're yeah, going to look yeah, at. Yeah, five-eighths. Similar to most jobs out there. Right, right. And we haven't been on that very long. Uh, uh, we used to be on a 37-and-a-half-hour work week. Then, and I, I want to say it's 2016, 2017, we... I can't remember the exact year we converted to a 40-hour work week, which is, which has helped us out tremendously uh, as far as scheduling and uh, keeping up with time and hours, things like that. Do you have any part-time officers? No. Everything is full-time in the city? Everything's full-time. Well, police officer-wise, yeah, we do have part-time staff uh, in non-certified positions. And again, right now, City of Murfreesboro is about to bring on about 18 new officers next week mm -hmm. uh they're they've already been through the training i guess no no they, they will start to. their training so okay. they're they're coming in uh, fresh and uh, we'll start their training we'll keep them in our class for uh, several weeks and then uh, just depending on when academy space is available and uh, depending on who needs to go through the academy i know we have a couple that are already academy certified that will have a much shortened uh, uh training session with us but uh We'll run them through the academy, then they'll have to go through the field training program where they actually have to ride with the officer for several weeks. So in reality, it's it's a long time from the time we bring you in, from the time we start the application process to where you're able to 
uh, worth the road by yourself. It's it's months. It's it's a long time. Yeah. Right now, that time eight fifty eight. You're tuned into WGNS. We're going to take a break for the news, weather, and traffic. After that, we'll take a look at what's happening around the country with CBS News. Again, our guests this morning have been with the Murfreesboro Police Department, Police Chief Michael Bowen and Lieutenant Clayton Williams. Thank you both for joining us today. Thanks, Scott. Time right now, 8.58. Stay with us. More news and information is coming up. Plenty of sunshine for today's forecast. 70 for a high, 44 tonight with clear skies. Mixture of clouds and sunshine Thursday, high near 70. I'm meteorologist Mandy Faluber on News Radio WGNS. Right now, 42 degrees. 